0: Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. And today we're talking about playtesting RPGs. Or right. specifically tabletop RPGs. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Tabletop RPGs. So playtesting is kind of like a what is it? It's kinda of necessary when you wanna put out an RPG. And a lot of companies now do playtesting and you don't even have to be a big company, even smaller one or two man operations or two person operations can or should play test whatever product they want to put out. They should play test it because everybody knows uh, that when you write a book or write anything, you should have somebody else look at it to find out any errors or any things that are wrong with your composition or your book because when uh, when you write something, you or you yourself are trying to edit it, it's going to be a problem because you know what you're writing and what you're writing about, you will not be a very good editor where somebody who doesn't know what you're writing about and needs to understand it, they'll find errors or problems with your grammar. So the same thing with playtesting in this, in a sense. So when you have other people play your game, they're going to find p- problems that you you kind of gloss over because you you in your in your own mind you know what's going on but when you try to relate that to somebody else who isn't you then that's when problems
0: arise sorry for my look of stunned silence <laughs> i was confused when you said someone might try to edit their own work because that would be impossible i mean you can give it a, a go but you really need an editor to go through your book or thesis or paper before you turn it in
1: well i remember editing my own stuff or 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 what do you call it proofreading my own uh, papers back in college and they were terrible terrible
0: that's why you give it to somebody else to look at it. it
1: wasn't until well it wasn't until we went to uh get our master's in history that that our professors would make us give our paper to our neighbor and we all rotated papers and uh
0: I wasn't in that class.
1: No, it was, I forget what class it was, but it was really good. And it's astonishing how badly we write.
0: I was lucky. I had my brother, I could just email him my papers and he would read them and correct all my errors and tell me how badly my English was. Not everybody has a
1: genius brother sitting around. So with playtesting, it's pretty important when you are creating an RPG and almost anything you do. I mean, they do playtesting for video games too, but... And board games, and board games, but we're talking about video video games. We're talking about role playing games, tabletop role playing games, and I've been involved in a couple play tests from like uh, Star Trek Adventures, and uh, lately there's a new uh, like a modern fifth edition game that they're trying to put out, or they're going to kickstart, and and a couple other things I've been involved with, and it is very. Very one is very fun to do. It's very gratifying, but also it's very important for the company or whoever's giving you that game to play test to get that any information back Yeah, feedback. Exactly. So it's very valuable to the creator to get this kind of feedback because they find bugs for lack of a better term in the system, just errors in writing. And you just leave out words. I used to do that when I used to write, write papers, I would write a paper and it looked really good to me. And then somebody goes, well, there, this isn't like a, not even the complete sentence. And then I'm like, oh my God, because, and I used to do this all the time. When I'm reading something I wrote, I would insert words, cause I knew what I was talking about. And I would insert words that weren't even in the paper. Usually they were small words like and or
0: the, but sometimes
1: they were important words <laughs> and you don't want that to happen. So uh, another thing about playtesting that it needs to be done. Right.
0: Well, I, I don't think that playtesting has so much to do with you l- reading the book for them. I think it has to do with you playing the game right. and figuring out whether the characters are going to be... What if a mini-maxer wrote the, wrote the book or the game and expects everybody to make their characters like a mini-maxer would? Right. And then their character someone comes along and says, I want my character to have a limp, and he talks like this. <laughs> and... He's gonna try to attack somebody and get hurt because he's not a mini maxer right he He actually wanted to do a a role playing character
1: well, I mean, you find all kinds of things in your games when uh, or in your whatever your the playtests. tests you're right and uh, and i'm very uh, I'm very cautious to give like really critical feedback, but a lot of times if you give just good feedback, like this is what I found was a problem then that, that's the kind of stuff that they want to hear about, whoever's giving you the, the play test or the survey or whatever you want to call it. So uh, another thing is uh, play testers, getting play testers is hard, I think. Uh, sure, you can give out your your rough draft to anybody who fills out an email thing and on an email list, and you send them this saying, this uh, rough draft of the rules, and you say, please give us back feedback of anything, that you find most time that you're, <laughs> you're not going to get any. Well,
0: it depends on the people. I read, when I was reading about this, there are actual people who, they say are professional playtesters. Yeah. Oh, wow. Who are, I don't know where you find these people, but they actually look at the game. They're going to try to, when they do the playtest, they're going to try to break things to see right. what's going to happen. And um, one of the one of the most important parts about Uh, A role-playing game is creating character creation, right? Oh, yeah. And the person that I was reading about was talking about how, you know, some people think you can just make characters on a spreadsheet and hand them out and people are going to figure it out. But if you think about most role players, they don't usually use a spreadsheet to make their characters. I've seen these people and some of them are my family they get out three books and they're reading all kinds of stuff and figuring out what they want to do with their character right what kind of character they want to make and all this kind of stuff and instead of, or there's the other person who goes to the online and says okay it's a character creator I'm, i want to be an elf and i want to do this <laughs> and and it spits out a character but then usually they they tweak it right because they want it to be their own
1: Right, right. In fact, we we are in the process of getting back to playing Pathfinder Pathfinder, First Edition, and one of the players, uh, our friend's son, says, "Are all the books available? Right, accessible to make a character?" And my son, who's running the game, goes, "Yeah, sure, whatever." And I'm like, and
0: suddenly all the first edition Pathfinder books show up on my table. Uh, as my son's going i wonder what he's gonna do <laughs> <laughs> well
1: you know and then this this person is a maxer, and he likes making really distinct characters and and because of that i think it's very uh it's just very funny to you you are on you are correct Was this the
0: conversation the part of the conversation i heard yesterday about what kind of god you you what you have to do to the if you if you're serving a certain god, you have to do certain things every day.
1: Uh, I don't remember the conversation. Honestly, after like the first ten seconds, I kind of like stopped, I ignored what he was You saying. really? And I was just nodding, going, "Yeah, yeah, sounds cool. That sounds cool." Because it's not something I really care about, right? Mini-maximizing your character. Now I understand what he was talking about. I, I do remember what he was talking about. That's was, not nice. See, I wasn't really ignoring him, but I was just like. It was like information overload, right? He was going on about, about this option and this option. And if he does this, and I'm like, okay, all and, right.
0: And it all started out because somebody said, I have to pick my two traits. I was, haven't done that, that yet. Was, that, was,
1: that was his dad, uh, Steve. And I'm like, what are, what are traits? <laughs> it's been a long time since i played Pathfinder. So excuse the fact that I haven't, don't remember the deal about traits. I guess you get two traits. And he goes, oh, you have to pick uh, what's the extra hit point. <laughs> oh, no, not the extra hit point, the plus one to initiative. That's the one you always take, according to him. Who is the mini max of that?
0: I obviously haven't <laughs> picked my traits, cause, but remember. then Augustine helped me make the character. So, well, you know.
1: I have to look at my character sheet. I don't know what, what, what traits I picked. So another thing is I think people can get rewarded for being playtesters. Obviously, professional playtesters to me means that they probably get paid. I'm only guessing because I, I didn't run across that paid playtester.
0: I know that the playtest that you've had us do, that you've gotten the for Star Trek Adventures, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think we did a couple others that, or maybe I don't know. Anyway, you where you said, okay, don't tell anybody about this, and oh yeah, yeah. and here, <laughs> here's what we're doing, and then we tried to to figure out stuff and then you sent reports back
1: right right and it was really it was a really fun game i mean I really liked. and it changed when the game we played with or the rules that i had everything changed like the attributes how the attributes worked uh the, how skills work i mean the skills kind of stayed the same it was a 2d 20 star trek adventures game but the name of the, of the attributes changed also the the way that the skills work kind of it was very interesting to see the changes because like they would send you a, oh, this is the play test 2.0 this is play test 3.0 and every time they had incorporated stuff that they had that people feedback, had told them right and then and then they kept making changes kept making changes and i thought it was pretty interesting to see that evolution of the game because i never thought too much about play testing and i never thought too much about because you don't create games visions right Exact. well that's true you just play them Right, right. So I, I thought it was very, it was, it was a very lear, uh, learning experiences for me.
0: What I thought was interesting is you were, you've recently been working with people who are doing, not working with them, play, running a, a game, a, a game for that hasn't come out yet, and sending the guy feedback. Oh yeah. And when and you I, played the I game, <laughs> and when you played the game at a convention to give him this feedback, you had one of the rules completely wrong. Right, right, right
1: it was a play test at at the convention went well even though i got the rules wrong it wasn't until at home i was running it with the, my home group and i killed two characters off really easy and then the author of the game goes how did he do so much damage on one shot and i said well you do this he goes no no that's not the way you do it i go what and he goes no no and then i you know it had to do with how you apply damage and and what the pluses for the weapon were? Maybe
0: he'll he'll uh, make sure that rule is clear. <laughs> since, well, and it might have been clear. Saul so might have just read it. Yeah, wrong.
1: exactly. I, I am not a very good in-depth reader, so I'm not a really good playtest, not play test but proofreader. So I somehow I missed that whole concept of of the way the bonus to damage worked. And so when when he corrected, I go, "Oh yeah," and. It would have been very difficult to to do as much damage as it did, but it would have still incapacitated the character for for the most part.
0: Were the were the guys upset when you came back and told them that you had the rule wrong and that No, you're...
1: they thought it was pretty funny. They go, "Oh yeah, no big deal. You Live and learn." And so it was neat. And I and I think that might you know when when uh, I told the author that he goes, "Yeah, maybe I, I got to make it clear how that works." So, and then he he said he was going to go back and look at that part of the rule book. And I read the rule book and I I read it and I'm like, yeah, I understand how I got it wrong because it just had that in my brain.
0: Right, right. You just thought, you read it and thought one thing. Right. And then... Which is what everybody does.
1: Right. So it's hard to, it's hard to write something and try to write it in a way that it is so clear that people, there's less chance of other people getting it wrong when they read it.
0: Well, and if you sit down and, and read rules for games, a lot of times they're not written as well as, as you would like. My my One of my pet peeves is when we open new board games, yes. and you're reading the rules to the board game, and you have a question in your mind, and it's not there. The answer isn't there. And you have to go, okay, we're going to get out the YouTube, and we're going to watch a video on how it's supposed to be played because... W- this person just read the rules to me and I have no idea what that means. Right. And and
1: that's true and and ru- rules for board games usually are less are less well now I would say usually are less complicated than making a character in a role playing game but maybe not necessarily but they run into the same problem is that they're supposed to make the rules clear and if they forget something I forget what game we're playing and it Oh my no goodness. Answer.
0: There was well, there was which which is that game that Steve kept telling us this isn't the way that it does that he got so upset because three of us are looking at him go going no this is what the rule means and he's going no this is what it means and we're like going you're wrong <laughs> and we had to go to other people that card game yes dominant species no dominant eminent domain we had to go and actually ask other people. If you read this rule, what does it mean? And the three of us were right, according to everybody we asked.
1: I think we asked Paul, and then we asked Bay. Yeah. And Bay's like,
0: Bay and Paul both read the rules, that's and true. they and they understand them. Yeah. And but Steve was like, he's still, when we play that game, he goes, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, going, "Dude, don't even start." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he was getting kind of angry because we wouldn't agree with his interpretation of the rule. So I'm like, well, I don't, and that's yeah. just a board game, or right?
0: right? Yeah. So that's where I see that rules, r- rules aren't always written well, right? Oh, yeah. So when it comes to role-playing games, you kind of need to make sure.
1: Yeah, especially, especially character creation and or the way combat works or skills work. And a lot of times people, like even today, people say, oh, that spell is broken, right? Oh, always. Right. And, and I think I understand what they mean because... I forget remember Chris was talking about some spell being broken and and I've heard that term over and over again right like at what is it on
0: Well you, okay there's you to 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 bring in another board game Euphoria, <laughs> Euphoria. okay there's certain characters and I think they they've changed it since I mean we started out with the playtest edition that Blaine got from email right no, no, well, he, he
1: was in the Kickstarter and they gave you a print and play edition. Yeah, and he okay. They printed all the stuff.
0: They printed all the stuff and, and they, they changed it a little bit, right? And then once we got the game, Steve got the, Kickstarter, the edition. Kickstarter edition. And there were these cards in it that are literally, and Steve, oh, that's broken. And because when you play with them, you get way too much power.
1: Right. They're too advanced. You have too much advantage.
0: So the home rule for us is those cards are all taken out and removed from well, the game.
1: I, th- I think there's actually a rata on that game. Yeah. I think if you buy the new Euphoria...
0: That's what I was saying. They, they, they've, they've
1: probably X'd out a lot of those yeah. cards. And, and, and I think you could buy a whole set of new cards that'll fix those.
0: They have a set of, a set of different cards because remember Stephen Cathy got it somewhere and then me and Alan were going through it trying to figure out which ones were good and which ones were broken. Mm-hmm. And we accidentally stuck some of the broken ones back in because we had them and the, we put the wrong pile back in. <laughs> and we're like... And we're like, maybe there's two of the same person. So if you get the same person, somebody needs to not play that one.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because every... Uh, so
0: fixes aren't always... Even people, right? We were doing piles. This one's good. This one's bad. But then someone picked them up to look at them and put them in the wrong pile. And we didn't realize it. Yeah. And they got mixed back in. Yeah.
1: You guys, because I don't really... I wasn't involved in that process. And... uh because I can, I can t- I guess I can tell if something's really broken, right? Like, well this guy, he gets all the stuff.
0: And- well, there's that one card where you can use a good to to get onto a market. You don't have to have the 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 resource, or you can use yeah. You yeah, don't have is- to create the resource. And I remember somebody had that, and they like were on every single market, <laughs> and people are going, "How did you do that?" And it's the card. This is my power. And I'm like going, "Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's broken." Get that out of there. So in playtesting a role-playing game, I can only imagine, especially combat rules. Yes. So
1: I, I signed up for a protest. Protest. A protest? No. Yeah. A playtest for that fifth edition and the new modern. D, it's like D20 modern, but mm-hmm. for fifth edition. And unfortunately, I haven't had time to playtest it. But they keep sending me like uh, emails about or. Oh, playtest this part and what they've done is they've broken down the playtest into playtest how to make a character playtest how to do skills playtest how to and then you know, you're supposed to send them feedback and I think that's a pretty good way to do it because instead of giving them the whole game and people are going to just send you feedback about skills, combat uh, character creation this word doesn't make sense here. I think that's another good way of doing it is break it down into chunks for people to be able to do instead of giving them the whole game, because I have been given, like Star Trek Adventures, they gave, just gave you everything that's playtesting and do it. And so it was, but it went very well because a, a lot of it had already been done, right? They had already done quite a bit of work in-house playtesting, I guess is what they would call it. And that's basically you and your friends playtesting the heck out of it, right? Trying to figure out if there's anything wrong. And I think this, this other way of doing it is pretty neat because, like I said, it just breaks down into chunks. And then when they get feedback, they get feedback on that one section of stuff right. that they want. That's pretty neat. I think that's a good way of doing it.
0: I don't know. I wouldn't want to be the person getting all that feedback and having to figure out what these people are thinking.
1: Well, like I said uh, earlier, that getting feedback is probably a challenge, right? Because I signed up, like I said, I signed up for that for that play test, and I haven't been able to, to run a game in that play test.
0: So you're not a good play tester. I'm that not either. a good play tester in this
1: situation, mainly because I've just been busy with other stuff, I guess. And so when we... Uh, when you get people to sign up for your playtest, that's great. But then there's there's people like me out there, and there's people who actually play the game, but they're like, uh, I don't find it interesting. And so the amount of feedback that you get is probably not as much as, obviously not as much as you send out. Let's say, I don't even know what the statistic is, but I'm going to guess for people who sign up and get your playtest materials, maybe one out of 10 will actually give you back feedback. I'm guessing because like, I'm just guessing my own personal way of doing things. they like, eh, that's not very important. Or they, they lose interest in it. Like, oh, it was okay, but it's not really my cup of tea, so they're not going to give you feedback if they're not really interested in it. But then there's people who are fans of what you're doing and are really dedicated to the game that you're making and will give you quite a bit of feedback. When Like the War Stories game, the, the World War II game that I, that I was involved in, running the game at, at a convention and with my friends, Before that, I was, I I was on a, I guess, I don't know where I was. I I, I don't know if it was on a, I don't know if it was on a, on a, like the discord channel or whatever, but there was quite a bit of uh, interaction between the, the creators of the game and people who were volunteering or giving feedback. So I think it basically, I think it was a Google sheet kind of thing where people could leave remarks about it. That's what was happening. So that was interesting especially in today's. Interconnected world. It's much easier to get feedback. It's much easier to share documents, and I think that really helps out a lot of people to be able to do play testing and get feedback as almost as soon as it's available.
0: Well, with the Star Trek Adventures, I remember that the play test we did it right, and we we had, and then when the book came out, it was different. Uh-huh. It was, and it was yeah. pretty cool because you know you got to see the, you you the actually development of yeah. It. Well, I didn't see the development of it, but I saw <laughs> that this is what we did, and then this is what happened.
1: Well, in fact, well, I remember uh, I ran the game Star Trek Adventure after it had been published at a convention. Actually, I ran a couple of conventions around here, and uh, so I ran the uh, Star Trek Adventures at the at this co- a couple of conventions at a one convention. Usually, I limit the players to, like to six right now nowadays. And it was, I told I've told this story before. There was a, a Star Trek fan. I mean, he was a a fan of Star Trek. He goes. I'm sorry, you know, there's too many people who wanted to crash. He was okay. Can I can I watch? I go sure. So he stayed for like an hour. And at one point, I go, dude, just you just want to want to play. So I dug out a playtest character because I had not foolish to me, I had not made any extra NPC or player characters. And it was a totally different game, right? Well, not a totally different game, but everything was different. And he goes, and he goes, oh, this doesn't match. I go, oh shit, that's a playtest version of the character. I go, you know what? Don't worry about it. And I'm pretty easy going, anyway. I go, don't worry about it. I'll I'll ask you to do some checks and you just figure out which one sounds the best and apply it. He goes, okay. So he was really into it and he would have been a great play tester because like even, even when we were uh, playing, he was, what does this mean? And I would tell him, he goes, okay. And then, and then he, he was just noticing the differences in the, in the sheet that he had to, cause he was comparing them to this. To his neighbor, and he was literally crossing out the names of the thing and writing in the names of of the actual a- ending of the ones, and then he was he was going through the whole character, taking out things that were not no longer
0: used. He was a Star Trek fan, right? He was a Star Trek fan. He was okay. the one
1: who knew the name of the first named guy, red shirt that died, and remember he called his own character that. But it was great. I mean, I would love to have that guy in a in a play test, especially Star Trek, because he definitely got. Uh, hit the continuity, oh, hold excuse me, point of order. I <laughs> and I even told him, I said, look, I'm not, a, I'm not a Star Trek guru, so if I get anything wrong, this is Saul Morales' world of Star Trek, not Gene Roddenberry's. Inspired by Gene Roddenberry, how about that? But he was a good guy, he was a good player too. But also, like I said, he was the kind of person that you would want playtesting your stuff because he was definitely asking a lot of questions where other people were like, oh yeah, we're just going to we'll go with the flow.
0: Well, obviously, he wanted to play in the game. He stayed for an hour before you gave him a character. <laughs> and I felt bad because it hadn't occurred to me, and then I felt worse
1: after that because I gave him an old playtest character <laughs> which I, I was—that's the only thing I had in my in my in my folder. I'm all over the place on my my notes, but uh, there's different types of playtesting. They call it the—if uh, you look at online, there's, there's all kinds of people who talk about playtesting. They break it down to what you're supposed to get. Uh, all these percentages and, and, and uh, i just want to talk about places in, in general. And one of the things they call is like, they call it close or, or personal playtesting. And that's when you and your friends are playtesting the game that you, the creator are playtesting t- play with people, you know, and trying to iron the big kinks out of the game and get a lot of the, the obvious stuff out of the way.
0: That's when you want to get all your GM friends together and have them read what you're doing and and play with you so they can tell you, uh, excuse me, but what are you doing here? Well, th- that, <laughs> And you want true. them to be your friends because that way that initial criticism isn't going to piss you off, right?
1: Well, that's another thing. I don't think you could be a creator of anything and not have thick skin. Or you could just not <sighs> give a crap and just do whatever you want anyway. But for the most part, I think you're going to... People are gonna criticize anything you do because there's just people out there who are very negative, negative
0: negative. Negative and no. What I what I mean is that if you're creating the game, you're gonna want your friends to be telling you the truth about it, right? Oh yeah, of course. And yeah. your friends
1: would. Well, yeah, that's true. And also, what's valuable, what I would find valuable is that I have a lot of friends like you say have are run games. Yeah. And they run all kinds of different games, and they're very, and some of them are very clinical about running games.
0: Well, right? some of them like to read the rules and and figure out if the rule just actual games that have been published they read the rules and go okay let's see if this works and then they go we might need to adjust this in our game this
1: <laughs> exactly work. that's exactly what i'm talking about and not everybody has players like that or or friends like that so you're going to play test uh, people who you know and play test the heck about it as much as you can but sooner or later you're going to have to run it with strangers right you 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 the creator or creators are running the game or people you don't know, either at the game stores, hobby shops, whatever you want to call them, conventions are a really good place to do that. And then you get a, quite a variety type of players coming and sitting down, here. and they'll come with odd angles that you never thought of, or you and your friends had not thought of, which is which is what you need. And then there's and then you move the game to where you let somebody else run the game, and then you get a different type of feedback. Because then you get the feedback of a GM and what a GM needs to run the game. And he, they are going to run into some, may or may not run into some problems with running the game. And, and problems that you never, and never came up because you know your system backwards and forward. And uh, and then you have uh, more or less like the last, last uh, play test run where you just you know give it out to all these, as many people as you can. And now you're getting feedback for for like little things that you might have missed
0: most likely you're this is going to be part of the publisher right it's going to be helping you do this it's not like you're going to try to find a thousand people to play test your game on your own well i mean i mean if you're doing a kickstarter i mean you're going to have some kind of lists of people right. who are well and then anything
1: just like a kickstarter you have to have a list of people to send emails to right uh, we were talking to Chris Savalston, at, Sav- Savalston and he was saying how, how he was, even before he even thought about a Kickstarter, he knew he needed a base of people that he can kickstart saying, oh, look, he already created something. He goes, if you want, I want an email uh, and I'll give you this like yeah. like scenario to play. And and so he'll guess that email and then you can use that email and say, well, you know, can I email you for further information about what I'm doing? and and then you get that email base, whether it's 100 or 1,000 people, the more the better. And then you have this group of people who are already kind of interested in what you're doing. And that's what you want. You don't want to send a e- blind email to somebody who, what the hell is this? I didn't <laughs> ask for it, right? That does happen with different games and different uh, projects. But uh, you definitely want a base of emails of people who are interested in what you're doing. And so, the more interest they have in it, the more chances that when, if and when you send them playtesting materials, they're actually gonna do something with it and send you feedback. Uh, Talking to Chris shed a lot of light on how he his uh, how he worked.
0: He's very organized, though. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Unlike some people.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I think, uh, and then playtesting can be fun for for the people who are playtesting. Like I, we had a blast when we when I was running that. Star Trek Adventures, I think it was funny. It was funny, it was uh, fun to do it. And I think it was interesting. And and I think everybody enjoyed it even. I mean, to us, it it was like a game. We we figured out some things that seemed to not work right and stuff.
0: One of the things we figured out is Saul doesn't know Star Trek very well. Oh, jeez. Beyond that,
1: uh, we know there was some, uh, it was very easy to fail, like super easy things. But I think they changed the rules a little bit, like crossing the bridge and stuff like that. But that was in the rules. That was inherent in what they wanted to play test that kind of uh, skill role. And I think they purposely made it hard, harder than it should have been.
0: Yeah, but if in any role-playing game, whether it's D&D or anything, when you come across a bridge or a tree that you have to walk across, a ravine, a river, those are the kind of things that you're going to fail your skill check, right? And it's going to ensue in hilarity or painful death. I don't know.
1: So... Not is it fun to play test, but uh, for people who like to get in on the ground floor or get in on something new that's coming out, it's pretty fun to have that. For some people, they really like being on the ground floor and being able to help produce something, which is pretty cool.
0: It seems like too much responsibility to me.
1: Uh, also, when, you, when you're a playtester, you help people make their game better. You actually are involved in making their game better by but if you find any problems or any inconsistencies or errors, you can uh, alert them and, and make their product better. So people who, if in the final product, when they go, oh, this is a hack job, you know, you can prevent that t- type of, of criticism. Uh, you can get credit for, for being involved in playtesting. You get your name in the book, maybe. So that's wow. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I think Felipe is involved in something like that. I forget what game uh, I saw. I think it was probably either... Something to do with the Pendragon or one of the supplements. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was funny. And I think it's pretty cool. You can get an early version of the rules and you can play it before anybody else has it uh, before it's available to the public. And another thing is you can help a fellow gamer see their vision or their dream come true by helping them make a product that they really want to put out. For the most part, most of these games that are out, uh, that people put out, They're usually very small operations. They're one, two man operations. Even a big company like Modifius, what's considered a bigger company, Modifius, only lately have they actually had to hire a lot of people and go full time staff. But for the most part, it was just a a husband and wife team. And then they would contract people, hire out people. And only because of their success have they been able to hire full time or permanent people and stuff i think that's pretty neat but it, like i said in the beginning it was a very small operation and when you and if you know somebody or even get to know somebody on you know, through the internet or through the playtesting, and you know that these most of these projects that people have when they're making an rpg they're labors of love they're just something that they had an idea they've been really committed and they're out there trying to to put out their dream product so that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty neat. I think it's pretty cool to help somebody out who are not maybe struggling, but I I I think putting out a game and having it published is is a little bit of a struggle, right? No matter how easy it is for them, no matter how brilliant they are at writing, you know, there's going to be bumps in the road and there's going to be times when they go, man, is this really worth it? And I gotta applaud people who set a go and go out and do it. And I and then at the very least for a playthrough can be very satisfying for all those things above for. For being able to help somebody out, for being gain on the ground floor of of, of, a, of a game, gain your credits in the in the in the rules, that's all pretty good cool stuff. At least for this gamer. <laughs> so you have any questions,
0: honey? No, 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 no questions. Eyes
1: are glazing. I think I think I covered almost everything that I had set to play, play this, to set to talk about. Uh, any questions? You know, you could send us email somewhere. You can get a contact of us at. <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, for sure. I forget my email. I should really get bitter about doing that.
0: So if somebody asks you to do a play test, it might be fun.
1: Yeah, or sign up to do one. I mean, there's always somebody. I got in contact to, to those people with the fifth edition, the new fifth edition modern game on Facebook. So they had an ad, and I filled out the little questionnaire thing. Okay. So it's super easy to get involved if you want to.
0: So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with... Saul. And Jolene.
1: You have a good day.